Hello and welcome to another episode of Driving Forces uh, with Mark Noble and Bob Flavin. Hello, Bob. How's things, Mark? You're looking gorgeous. Am I really? <laughs> welcome back. I know you're out tripping there with Volkswagen, weren't you? I was tripping and then Paddy's Day kind of confused us all and yeah, I had the, the jigs. I had my birthday, my daughter's 13th birthday, Patrick's Day uh, and hospital appointments. All in the same week. It all kind of just spilled into one another. Was busy. And then hangovers and things. Well, that means then it's a year since we had a, a glass of very expensive Scottish whiskey in a bar in Munich airport. And uh, <laughs> shout out to Graham Lennox, who was with us on the trip. And we were like, are you sure, Graham? Yeah, yeah, it's fine. And we were like, well, it is Bob's birthday. So I, I know how old you are this year. <laughs> yeah, my birthday gets gets blamed for a lot of stuff. Myself and Robbie Farrell, a brilliant friend of mine from, from the Sunday world. <laughs> uh, and BMW, Laura, and BMW, shout out to Laura, uh, two years ago, I think it was, in Malaga, um, uh, down in Portimao, watching cars come and go in a bar <laughs> looking at this. Uh, uh, blame My birthday was to blame for that one as well. So my birthday and press trips is always usually good. It's a good time to be away. It is, yeah. It's the first time I've been home, actually, for my own birthday. Ages. And I was supposed to be away with you as well. You, you, yeah, you actually would have been away. <laughs> I would have been away couldn't. again. That's mad. Uh, so welcome to Driving Forces. It's a podcast where we discuss uh, car news and car topics and stuff that is annoying us on a weekly basis, like the ESB chargers and uh, costs. And we'll get to all that later on. And this we're going to talk about the grant, which is changing from July Oh, Department of Transport is loving this. <laughs> yeah, we should tag Eamon Ryan as well. Maybe he'll uh, give us a share. Maybe come on. Eamon, this is your open invitation. If you want to come on and be interviewed by two lads who know more about cars than most people, and uh, we'll ask you some questions, not too difficult, possibly including wolves, and we want to have a chat to you. Come on <laughs> and talk. Well, we should probably send an email to his press department, you know, go through the legitimate channels. Yeah. I'm not sure calling him out on a podcast is, is the way to get him. If you By know Eamon Ryan. <laughs> did you see that photograph of Eamon Ryan last week? He was a bit of a dish. No, I didn't. I missed that. I don't go, look at them kind of photographs. I'm not into that go, kind of. seriously. Well, neither am I, but go and Google <laughs> Eamon Ryan Young. He's on a bike, surprise, surprise, right? Eamon Ryan, he has, he's really tanned. Um, He's got jet black hair and he's leaning up against a bike. He looks like he's on Erasmus or something or... Um, yeah, there it is. It's the first thing that comes in. Was Eamon Ryan an 80s movie star? <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> God, where did it all go wrong? <laughs> Have you seen the photograph yet? I've seen it now, yeah. He looks like he should be in Dirty Dancing. He does. He does, in fairness to him. He looks well a few years ago, all right? Yeah. yeah now well, he's just cycling. messing with the entire car industry in Ireland <laughs> for the last few years, messing it up. <laughs> Okay, well, let's let's put a bit of order in this podcast. Yes. So, yeah, let, let's start with the news that, so from July, and this is no big surprise, although I, I didn't think they'd actually follow through with it. They have now changed the grant from €5,000 if you're buying. This is from the SEAI, uh, which basically supplements a little bit of the cost of an electric vehicle if you're buying it new in Ireland. Um, from five thousand euro, it used to be ten, wasn't it? It was well. VRT was five, and then you got a grant of five, so it added up to being about ten from two different sources. The VRT stayed, so the VRT discount stayed. But like uh, car companies don't really the price of the car at the, at the forecourt isn't really taking into account a five thousand euro discount. That's just the price of it. They just put up the price of the car. <laughs> it's already including most discounts. So now it's going to three and a half thousand. 
Yeah, from for July. the the grant will go down three and a half thousand from July, which is cutting the legs from under. I mean, it, it already doesn't apply to the top end of the market because they don't get a grant anyway. Because the cars, if it, I think it's over fifty, or is it forty five or fifty or somewhere around there? There's no grant on it anyway. So the people who can afford the electric cars were already paying full price for them. The ones who really can't afford electric cars are the only ones who now are getting a reduction in the grant. Correct. So from the 1st of July, the maximum grant will be set at €3,500 down from €5,000. There's no change to the VRT relief on EVs. The VRT is quite small anyway. So it allows a maximum of €5,000 off EVs up to €40,000. And then there's a reduced scale for vehicles up to €50,000, which kind of still rules out nearly a well-specced ID4, which is one of mm. the best-selling uh, electric cars. So if you're buying an EV um, and you're waiting and waiting and they're telling you, oh, it's, it's on a boat or it's not on a boat yet, you're going to be very nervous hoping you get it before the 1st of July. Yeah, you will. And that there, there's the problem constantly that the car industry is fighting is delivery lead times. You know, they're taking a long time to get these cars to customers, to forecourts and getting them out. Uh, some companies seem to be able to flood the market very quickly with them just because they get supply and then the supply dries up and they can't get them as fast, you know. But on the flip side of that, Mark, there is some, I was watching this uh, TikTok the other day from a guy who works in the kind of the book price, you know, the secondhand market price of of cars. So yep. when they say the book price of this car is, he's the guy who comes up with these values and he also helps to value the cars and he's one of the dealerships that submits the prices. And he said the cost or the, the prices of used electric cars has fallen off a cliff in the last six months, that you can now pick up electric cars much cheaper in, in the UK than you could six months ago. And I'm talking about like, 10 grand of a difference between the two prices. Uh, now, I'm not saying this is all factual. I'm just saying that that's what I read. I was looking at this guy that's on TikTok. on TikTok. Yeah. Well, uh, and it does, I, it backed up in, in cost as well. I do think that the, the fact that Tesla have reduced the prices on their cars will mm. have undercut not only their own brand, but some used cars then also naturally have to drop because you'll say, well, I can buy a Model 3 for X amount, so why would I buy a used ID4 uh, if it's 10 grand extra so naturally the price perhaps has to kind of Yeah fall. and the second hand value has to drop with it because if you can buy a brand new car for 45 grand why would you pay 40 grand for a used car so that goes down by 10 so it's 35 or whatever you know it has to drop uh, the market value of it is plus you know there's a cost of living crisis particularly in the UK that seems to be really really hit hard at the moment and hats off they've they're trying their best to try and figure it out. But we're at it as well on, on this side of the market. But the disparity between trying to buy a house or buy an apartment or find somewhere to rent and buying a car, now the car is really seen as becoming a luxury. Do you think? Um, More and more so, yeah. Uh, particularly when there's so much focus on EVs and, you know, one of the obvious things is always the price. And then, yeah, people do feel, you know... I, once upon a time, I could probably buy a brand new car, a small car in Ireland for 18, 20,000 euro. You probably still can in something like a Dacia Sandero, maybe. But by and large, those days are gone. And then if you're looking at a, a new EV, um, I, I don't really, you know, there are EVs on sale for late 20s, mm. maybe 30,000 euro. But that's still a lot of money for, for some people. And um, yeah, I, I think there is a feeling perhaps that uh, EVs are for the middle class. It does seem that way for the price of it, doesn't it? Because I know you were on the Volkswagen trip there recently, which showed off. The, was it the ID2? So that was the ID2, yeah. So Volkswagen's commitment is that car will go on sale in 2025. It's like a it's like a Polo. It's between a Polo and a golf-sized car, and they say that will be €25,000. 
Now, that's presumably for the entry level one. Mm. They didn't give details on batteries. So uh, currently, Volkswagen have a, the smallest battery they produce is 52 kilowatt hour. Um, is it fair to assume that will be the battery in it or will they produce something smaller again? Um, they have to go smaller, really, because that's, I know like Nissan's battery was 38 kilowatts, was it, at one point, or something very small. The, the beginning, the beginnings of electric cars had very small batteries, very short range. So I'd yeah. imagine it had to go down in size. Just looking at like uh, the Aura Funky Cat or GWM, I think is the actual name of the company, but like, there's there's such a, a difference in the size of the batteries that they do for the price of the car. And this came up on the trip I was on. We were talking about Funky Cat, which is, you know, uh, 32000 for the entry. Yeah. Um, and there's a there's a lot of spec in these cars. Probably you can argue there'll be more spec in these cars than something from Volkswagen. But the conversation came back around to, will a lot of people buy a VW badge with less spec because it's the devil they know, um, whereas something new, it might be, it might even be a better product, it might have more tech on it, more gadgets on it, but again, just trying to get people to take a leap of faith into a brand that they, they've they've never heard of. There's there's only a couple of dealers that sell these particular brand, whatever it is, whether it's MG or uh, or Funky Cat or, or um, you know. So, will established traditional brands get a a possibly unfair advantage there because people just know the badge? That's what's happening though. But if you look at the vast majority of of uh, new, new car buyers in the electric segment are buying maybe their first car or their second car or they're, they're technological kind of people, you know, they work in the IT field. They just kind of buy what they think might be the coolest thing, which is why Tesla rose so fast. You know, they went from zero sales of any kind to suddenly being one of the number one car makers on earth. Uh, and that came, that, that was no brand loyalty. So you can imagine... People might feel a little bit different about a Chinese brand coming because they might just have that f- different feeling because it's an American brand versus a Chinese brand or whatever. But, but I I don't know. I think I think Aura is going to find a good few homes, and I think you know BYD and all these other ones, which are uh, bring your dreams is not name, but I think they're going to find their own way in just through sheer market force, just by flooding the market with with product. Yeah, well, the, the more you see, the more people. People will say, oh, what's that? You know, and word of mouth. I also think as well, half the success, or more than half, was was Elon because mm, he was yeah. a face. You know, he was someone very interesting, uh, you know, a Marmite kind of character, but at least there was some level of accountability. Uh, who's Elon? Oh, he's, he's the Tesla dude. So that definitely didn't do them any harm in terms yeah. of, like, there's no face for these uh, Chinese brands, really. No, you know, I know, he's I know harming this. it now, but he wasn't harming it then yet. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And I'm actually driving a Tesla Model Y uh, this week. And one thing that I still, they still can't be beaten on is efficiency. I was driving it on the M50 the other day at 100 and, uh, well, sorry, sorry, the speed limit is 100 kilometers as an hour guard. I was doing 100 kilometers now. <laughs> but it was doing 15, it was doing 15 kilowatt hours per 100 kilometers. There was that no is, other. That's very good electric vehicle that will do that level of efficiency still and they also have the network so when you want to go anywhere you're always just taken by a supercharger and there always seems to be a supercharger somewhere on your journey it just doesn't seem to interrupt you in the same way as trying to find an esb charge or another charge you know just it's just it's just so well connected in software wise you plug them in it's all linked to your account there's no apps there's no rf cards there's nothing you just plug the cable into the car and it starts charging at up to around 240 kilowatts. 
Which is, On a side note from that, actually, I always thought that the EU should have legislated at the very beginning uh, to say that you could pay using Apple Pay or Card Pay. You wouldn't have to sign up to actually charge a car. I always thought the EU should have done that or that should have been some sort of global idea because just this idea of signing up for accounts and things just bothers me. Every time I go to a charge party, you go, no, I have to sign up for There's so many, <laughs> so many. Um, and and uh, shout out to Apple Green who now have these pay-as-you-go chargers on their four courts. They made the they right choice. St- they waited a long time, but they made the right yeah. choice. They made the right choice. They're yeah. 100 and kilo, uh, 180 kilowatt uh, charging speed. They have Chatamo on them as well. And you just go up and tap your card. It says that it will debit 30 quid uh, and then refund what you didn't use. But my experience has just been it just debits whatever you used. So hmm. 10 are worth of juice. But you're right. Like a neighbor of mine uh, bought a, got a Tesla yesterday, uh, Model Y. Um, he was a Skoda customer for years, but the price was just too much of a difference to ignore. Hmm. But like that, he was plugging into a lamppost yesterday in Malahide Village, and he said to me, "How do, it's not it's not connected." And I said, "Oh, you need another app for that because that <laughs> lamppost company is not ESB." And it is it is a great idea though. Like now it's a small, it's a low charging uh, speed. I think I think they're like three point seven kilowatts. Yeah, it'd be speed. lost. It's like just having a three pin plug. Yeah. Um. So they they but it, it's not a bad idea. But then I said, but there's other charges around the corner. But you need the ESB one for that. And actually, I'm curious to know has anyone else had this issue? I rang ESB eCars last night because I can't top up my account. So I go to the payment stages and you put in your bank details, and then it says, "Oh, the transaction can't be authorized. Contact your bank." And I've rang the bank, Bank of Ireland. They're like, no, there's no reason why you you can't pay with it. like it's like uploading your car details to any other website. I yeah. bought runners last week, no problem. But I can't top up my eCars account. They probably said to log out or log in again or delete the app and reinstall the app, which is what nearly everybody just tells you to do. And that never fixes it. Yeah. <laughs> it never does. Um, so look, uh, let's actually, on, on the ID2, let's jump back to it. Uh, I yeah. interviewed a guy there. He He's worked in Volkswagen for a long time. Then he wore, went to work in Bentley on a specific type of Bentley Continental GT. His name is Andy Mint, M-I-N-D-T, not like a polo mint. And uh, I had a quick chat with him um, in Hamburg uh, last week at the launch of the ID2. So I'm here on the channel with Andy Mint. Yes. A mint car. Has anyone said that to you yet? <laughs> no, Sorry. I, I heard this the first time. Um, it's a Volkswagen. It know? is a Volkswagen. And, and I want to mention one thing. It's teamwork. It's always teamwork. Yeah, we, are, we are a big team and everybody plays a role and this is the result. Yeah. A lot of comparisons. I heard other journalists saying it around. They're, they're thinking of uh, a car that maybe could have a GTI badge on it. It reminds me of yeah, the Mark V yeah. Golf in yeah, some yeah, ways. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Now we we wanted to put these jeans into the basic car already. Yeah, that the basic car looks really, yeah, nice. You know, mm. it's something that you really want to have, not something that you need. Yeah, to go from A to B. No, something that you want to have. This that was our aim. Yeah. The offset of the wheels, the way they come yes, right out yes. of the arches. That yeah. That, it makes Isn't you it? think there's more to this car. Yes, yes. No, I mean, there's a lot to this car because the performance is amazing. Mm. When you compare this car to any combustion engine cars in the segment, it's way better. It's way better. The, the Q horsepower, how it goes around corners, it's amazing. Yeah, because you have this low battery, low point of gravity, it will drive fantastic. Um, tell us about the design process. How long did it take from start to finish? Yeah, that's six weeks. Six wow. weeks. I started 1st of February and today is the 15th of March. Where do you go to do this? Where do you get your headspace for that? Yeah, I mean, I was working once for Volkswagen already, like um, um, 
um, I was working 15 years for Volkswagen and um, I always my heart was always there you know always uh, uh, with thinking about Volkswagen as a design you know I came from Bentley uh, that was my former job but still in this time I was thinking about how to make Volkswagens you know are there any uh, Bentley models that your name is signed to that we know of yeah this is the Bentley Batur the okay. Bentley Batur was a few off cars only 18 18 units and that was shown last year in Pebble Beach. Okay. Yeah. Uh, have you got all the secrets of what size battery will be in this car? Oh, I, I'm only the designer, you know. <laughs> I'm, I'm, you need to ask the technicians around here. But I believe um, it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be great. It's going to be good. Or let's say enough for this kind of car to propel it. Yeah. For, for people much younger than you and I watching these types of videos today, how do you become a car designer? Oh, yeah, that, that's a good question. You need passion. You need absolutely passion. You have to love your job, you know. That's the, the only thing you need. Mm. Everything else you can learn. You can learn sketching, you can learn modeling, you can learn, you know, uh, you can learn all about it. I, I'm, I'm convinced you can do that. Yeah. I think uh, you've done a good job because people are very excited about this car today. Thank cool. you very much for talking to us. I thank you, of course. <laughs> thank you. Okay. Now there, Bob, is a guy who loves his job. He was so happy. Yeah, it comes across, doesn't it, in the words? <laughs> it really does. I'd say he's maybe, he's not far off 60, maybe late 50s. Um, and I he loved the bit at the end. Though, he? No, he doesn't, know. And he was wearing runners with a suit. He was a proper cool dude. And I love his that car designers. Remember the Japanese car designers? From, I think they were from Honda. And they all wore white shirts, jeans, and orange or yellow shoes. Uh, runners, like. <laughs> Just really, really hip stuff, you know, really cool stuff. And he was so happy to chat. And I, I loved the way he answered the question at the end where I just said, you know, girls and boys listen to this maybe or watching this video because it's on YouTube as well. If you want to go and have a look at him. Um, well, how do you become a car designer? And he was like, you just need passion. Yeah. You can learn everything else. <laughs> it's class. Yeah. I, it's the same. Um, any, any car designer I've ever talked to has always been, you just you just need the passion to learn how to, how cars are built and made and designed and looked at. You don't even need to worry about aerodynamic. That That's all further down. You know, that's all along your trajectory if you just have the passion to to set out to do it in the first place that's how you get there so other things i learned on that trip last week there's three new evs coming from volkswagen um they are setting up so we we got a we got a, a trip around one of their new plants um which is happening in the middle of uh, germany and they're building another one in valencia in spain and they're also they've announced after the, the press conference we were at that they're building one in um is it canada or is it the states but it will produce 240 gigawatt hours per year worth of batteries are being made in these plants wow. so we got a tour from two chemical engineers who brought us around and they showed us all kinds of things like there's a 200 ton machine that exerts this force on the strips of copper that ensures there's not a single crease imagine you're I, i've seen how little you are in your clothes there is not <laughs> Don't. <laughs> there is not a wrinkle in this uh, level of, of manufacturing to make sure that the efficiency of the battery is perfect. And then they layer it up like almost like a Viennetta ice cream or a, a Cabri's twirl. And it's all these layers kind of lapped on top of each other and up to 100 layers in each pack, in each cell that then gets, you know, fitted to the car. Mm. And... Um, it was just, it was very interesting to see the process that's used to make it, um, the the level of work that goes in. And it kind of 
I mean, look, I, I don't want to justify the price of EVs, but it kind of makes you understand why the battery production process is so expensive. Yeah, I know. It's only when you see it up close and you see how many, how technical it all is. And it's it's very young. Like battery, producing batteries for ordinary uh, uh, use in cars is very recent. Like this isn't, we've been, we've had a hundred years of combustion. Like we know how to do it now <laughs> and now we're getting rid of it and we're good at the batteries. But batteries is only about, about five, six years really that we've been doing it en masse and about 10 years since we've had the Nissan Leaf come out. 15 maybe. 15 probably, yeah. And I think one of the reasons they're pushing it, a lot of people are saying, how come the ID2 isn't here until 2025? They're going to make it in Valencia in Spain. So that plant isn't built yet. So mm. they, they very much want to have their own control. So they'll get the raw materials, absolutely. But then they will manufacture every part of that battery in their own factory. So it, it's like they want full control of it, understandably, I suppose. Um, and they can ensure that, you know, the battery is made to their standards and they're investing. Now, they did say, look, we need people to buy electric cars to be able to continue to invest in EVs. But they are investing over the next... Um, Four years, one hundred and eighty billion, and that's just Volkswagen. <laughs> oh my god, that's an insane amount of money. <laughs> like that's not comprehensible. Like you, you can figure out if someone gave me one hundred and eighty billion, I'd think I'd probably just die from food poison or something within three or four days. <laughs> <laughs> well, they have forty three billion in liquid cash. They told us at, at this, it was like it was like a roadmap. It was like the AGM of Volkswagen, and it was you know it was sit down at a table, plug in your headphones, and listen to someone translate some German dude. But um, the other thing was the nice thing that ended the trip was so you've got uh, is it Oliver somebody? He's the he's the boss of the Volkswagen Group, so he's across Porsche, Audi, Cupra, Seat, Skoda, everybody. But then there's a gentleman called Thomas Schaefer, mm. and he's the boss of Volkswagen. And he lives in feckin' Ireland. <laughs> yeah. So he's a proper, you know, you, you, you're just, you're shaking hands with him and you go, God, this dude is worth a fortune. Yeah, yeah. And, but he's, he's quite normal. So he's South African as far as, is he German? No, he lives in South Africa. For, yeah, he's South African. Um, his wife loves horse riding. So they move to Ireland and he commutes on a Friday from Berlin to Dublin and goes home on the Monday uh, morning back on a flight to Berlin so every weekend Mr. Schaefer is in Ireland and he loves it that's how small Europe really is <laughs> so yeah so he got a selfie with us at the end of the trip it's amazing <laughs> he was just very uh, very you normal you probably meet him down the pub on Saturday night <laughs> yeah well he's yeah you, you could do and uh, he, I mean you'd have to Google him but he, he wouldn't be well well known but the more he kind of puts himself out there in selfies and stuff people probably will get to know him yeah um so yeah, it was it was a good trip. Learned a lot about the battery process. Learned a lot about where they, particularly Volkswagen, want to go over the next few years. Um, China is such a big market to them. Oh my god, it has been for years. Yeah, they 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 built plants out there for a long time. They actually lost some employees to the Chinese market as well. Um, you know that's how China gets so far ahead so quickly because they just buy up employees from other factories like BMW or whoever. Um, but it's funny because the battery batteries are the big mover of money now because if you think of all the things that you make batteries for not just cars you got vans cars watches so rechargeable watches uh mobile phones yeah you got those little e-scooters you got like nearly everything is going to be battery driven in the future and if you can get a foothold in the battery area making batteries early on then you're going to be minted no matter what happens that's what tesla that's where tesla was going all along to be battery manufacturers 
Yeah, and and they did talk about, by the way, because even just as you're talking about there, it just came into my head. They they there were raw materials to recycle, so they need. They're looking at actually mobile phone companies to look at end of life with batteries. What happens? Where does it go? Because there will be a responsibility on the manufacturers, albeit car companies, whoever who mm. make these things, to make sure that when the car comes to its natural end of life, they are going to have to sort out recycling that battery. Yeah, because we can't have any more junkyards. Uh, I mean, where cars go, uh, normal internal combustion engine cars, was never really the responsibility of the car company where the car ended up after it was collisioned or, you know, just just got too old to be used. It just ended up in junkyards, just slowly dripping all its fluids into the ground. We're a bit better at it now, but we still have junkyards, still have loads of them. And we can't do that again with, with battery power. So that's uh, that is a big priority, and people need to. I mean, I'm sure there will be pressure from Europe and other places on car companies to, you know, stick to what they've promised there. But um, look, it's created an awful lot of jobs. There's seventy thousand people working on it. Um, again, for for Volkswagen alone, um, at the moment it takes them. So the plant we visited was it Salzbitter, I think was the name of it. Um, they're producing one cell a week at the moment. Right, like that's that's nothing. They will, mm. when it's in operation, be making uh, 6,000 a year. Bloody hell. That's going to yeah. be moving it along. That's moving along, all right. It yeah. still won't make any of the targets because I know Germany, uh, Poland, well, there's a number of EU countries now rebelling against the target of stopping production of combustion engine by 2030, I think it is. Hardly any of them want to actually do that now. They, they want to continue with going. I'm sure they've got good reasons behind it, but there's a bit of a backlash going, I noticed on Twitter there. Um, you know, to get rid of the combustion engine, because I, I think it actually has another 10 years, maybe 20 years left in it anyway. I heard a lot of the words e-fuels mentioned on that trip. E-fuels is a big thing now, isn't it? Yeah. That's all <laughs> I don't say the term that e-fuels. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Don't don't throw out your petrol car just yet. Yeah, hold on to it, because behind it, I suppose behind it all, you've got this, this fuel that doesn't come from fossil fuels. It's still combustion but it's not coming from fossil fuels, isn't it? That's kind of where it is, really. They're making it synthetic fuel. Yeah, that's that's one way. One, but one calling solution. it e-fuel. <laughs> Just stick an A in front of it. Yeah, uh, the final, like thing I'll tell you, final thing I'll tell you about the trip was I got to video and have a look at the first ever Volkswagen made outside of Germany uh, which just happened to be a Volkswagen Beetle that was made in Ballsbridge in on the Shelburne Road, where Ballsbridge Motors still stands today. There's a great story behind the car. It's uh, been fully restored. It's in the Autostat Museum. Oh, my God. I can't, we were told you can't film some of the cars. There was Bentleys. There was G60 Mark II uh, rallies. There was Carmen's. There was 1933 Beetles. There was... Oh my God! You want to see? There was every make of Passat. There was every make of Golf, Scirocco's. Uh, everything was there. It was like a. It was like the Willy Wonka of cars. Oh, I loved those kind of places. I went to an Beetle. Opel factory one time and had the same thing. Uh, just, just warehouses full of old Opels that had been bought up by Opel and just left there. Stored. Not, not a museum. Just dark rooms full of cars. <laughs> it was absolutely. It was like and the smell of petrol that was in the fabric of the Bentley was just oh my god. But um, the Beetle just has a great story. Uh, the guy Stephen J O'Flaherty he set up. It was his company. They're MDL. They still exist today. They're on the 
as you join the Nace Road with the Longwell Road, it has a spinning Mercedes sign on the roof of it. That's still the company, it's still owned by the family. Mm. It's still and, the shape um, of the factory as well. It's not a factory now, but it was an assembly plant. And yeah. when you go in and walk around, every all the rooms are really long and straight because that's how you build a car. <laughs> so, so it's still it's amazing. Outside. It's amazing to think the Volkswagen Beetle was made here in Ireland until the uh, 70s. And um, it was like we had we manufactured cars. So they arrived in boxes like, you know, like, like almost like an Ikea flat pack. Um, the engine and stuff would arrive, but they put the car together in Ballsbridge. And then that site got too small. So they moved to the MDL premises on the Nace Road. That's still there today. And uh, they used to make up to 5,000 Beetles a year in Ireland when it was um, at its most demanding, which is incredible. Yeah, Ireland had a massive history of assembly cars right across the road from that Mercedes plant, which is now going to be knocked down, turned into apartments, is Agnelli House, which was where all of the Fiat's were built uh, for the European market and Ireland. Um, but all the Fiat's that ever got um, sold in Ireland were, were assembled there in Agnelli House. And the first Ford ever assembled outside of the US was assembled in Cork yeah. uh, by Henry Ford. So. We have a great history, but it all kind of ended there in the uh, around the eighties. I think Ford ran out of steam in Ireland in the eighties. There was the last one to go. I think eighty two. Yeah, they they stayed a little bit longer after VW. But it was um, unions that killed the the Cork plant. Uh, it nearly killed Dagenham as well in the U in the UK. It was uh, union interference and fights between the management and the union rather than just assembling cars. But yeah, it was newsworthy when Ford closed down in Cork as an assembly plant and just stayed as an office then. Enough about electric cars just for, for now, but just briefly staying on electricity as well. We have to talk about the news yesterday that uh, the ESB profits more than doubled. <laughs> like, <laughs> seriously, we're all getting the RT news alerts last year, our prices to rise again and blah, blah, you know, yep. due to the cost of blah, blah. And then a few months later, it turns out. <laughs> well, the electricity wasn't that expensive after all, is what you're saying with the profits you made. <laughs> 800 and what? Billion or something? Profits after tax at the state-owned. Don't forget, the Irish government owned 95% of this company. Uh, more than doubled to six. So they're giving you back your credit allowance and it's they're shaking your hand and pissing down your trousers at the same time. Yep. And don't so, forget, the ESB set the price for everybody. So if you when you pay a standing charge, no matter who your electricity supplier is, you pay a standing charge. That standing charge goes to ESB. That has nothing to do with the company. Unless they've increased it, that has nothing to do with the company. So I I, I don't know what we do. I don't know if we have a protest like we did with water charges. I don't know what we say to them. Uh, 774 million last year operating profits. It's insane to think that we're, there are people out there that are really struggling. And I, I, I know I hear from them. They DM me. They, they tell me that they're really struggling and they're trying to find ways. They, they went electricity for their house, for their home heating, for absolutely everything. And they're completely getting nailed to the post by the price per unit. And then a profit thing comes out. <laughs> and all of a sudden, now I know ESP is probably going to give some of that back, but it's it's the, the perception in your head of these companies who tell you that the wholesale market price of electricity is very, very high and we have to charge you more. And then they come out with billions in profit. Now, they did say they invested 1.4 billion last year and a similar sum this year. And that goes to everything like generators and mm. uh, charging units, obviously. But the, char the, the charges you'll charge your car at are kind of a small proportion of that 1.4 billion. 
Yeah, it's still a small percentage. It's only 16% of the market or something is, the, is electric cars at the moment. And I'm not sure that's going up at the moment. <laughs> I think with, the, with the, the way the market's moving right now and people buying, probably going to be buying a little bit less cars. I think a lot of car sales are wrapped into finance at the moment and PCP and stuff. It's, there's not many people walking into showrooms just buying cars brand new from a dealership. You know, they're ordering online, they're doing things. It's all wrapped into a PCP stuff. Once, once people and- start really get tight, it's going to change. The messing around with the BIK as well, so people would have said, "Okay, I'm not, I'm not ordering an electric car." Then, you know, yeah, so that, I know they've rolled back on that, but all that messing, like it's just lads, lads. Yeah, it's like the Department of Finance and the Department of Transport don't talk to the people who actually make the stuff. You know, the car dealerships, the uh, hesitate to say the SIMI, you know, they represent car dealerships, but they they have to be in the conversation because. They're part, and us, and journalists, and just talking to people who are who are active and listening to people out there. Because the more you meddle and fiddle with things, the more complicated you make it, the more people won't want to take you up on it. Because if you make VRT very complicated, you make all these different things complicated, less people do it. And then you kill a market. Slowly but surely, mm-hmm. you'll kill the market off. Keep things simple in life. It's good advice. Yes, a straight um, line through is always the easiest way. I'm also a bit broken this week, Bob. I've, I've wisdom tooth giving me issues. I've, oh, no. Um, Nothing I worse than my, toothache. Yeah, it'll go away, I'm sure. I just, that idea of going in to get them out is like, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> it is horrible. It's a horrible feeling. Anyone messing around inside you, inside you of any way, whether it's a doctor or a dentist, <laughs> doesn't matter. Anyone messing around <laughs> with things. Inside you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and the other thing is, I don't know if I need my ears syringed. I uh, I tried to get a doctor's appointment this morning. I can't get one. I, like, I'm in a GP surgery that must have 20 doctors. And every time I need a doctor, they go, we've no appointments till next week. I'm like, yeah, well, mine's the I same. I dead yeah. by then. Very so same. On, Very hard to get the, appointments. On the plane into Belgium or uh, Berlin, you know, when you're descending and you get that popping in your ears and all that yeah. stuff. And it normally goes away. It's grand. But mine... My ear, I couldn't hear my left ear for about two hours. And then I did have a bit of a cold at the time. And apparently that's all connected. And uh, every time I swallow now, I have this kind of snap, crackle and pop sound going on in my left ear. Right. Well, as someone who suffered with tinnitus for my whole life, I can testify that flying around the place a lot, when you fly in and out of places a lot, uh, you do get a lot of clicky sounds and weird noises in your ears. You kind of become used to it, but if you've got any sort of infection or ear infection, any sort, of, it might be just an underlying little thing that's sitting there that you need to get assessed as well. But it's it is very annoying. I know we're flying next week again, are we? We're going to we're going to Spain uh, for a trip down to see the new Volkswagen that isn't released yet. ID seven. ID seven. It's called a covered yeah. drive, which is a. Uh, it's a. What does that mean? in speak that you can't see some of the stuff on it so what they, they put they wrap it in camouflage sometimes they wrap the whole dashboard so you can't see any of the you know you see a steering wheel and a speedo and that's kind of it uh we did a few of these cover drives over the years we did one with scott a while ago but this this would be the same but this would be in malaga we're going to the sun get a bit of heat oh yes a bit of heat for one day so <laughs> for one yeah, my day plan, my plan is to try and find a doctor before we fly um i've also been doing flying lessons at the moment so i, I need to get this ear sorted out oh you go back. Oh, I did flying lessons years ago. I let it lapse though, so I'll have to start again from scratch. I'm sure if I was going to do it again, we okay. could have a race. If you learn to fly, we could we could be you know the captain slow race flying airplanes versus a car versus we, we something could. else like a train. Yeah. Well, my pal Greg is he, he is actually already a pilot, and he's constantly saying we'll do this. Um, 
he wants us to do a race with him and he'll fly and we'll drive and you'll go on a diesel or something and I'll go on an EV and I'm up for I don't know. You know how I'm going to win that <laughs> if I was in the diesel I'm sorted. <laughs> <laughs> because I tell you why I said that as well. I have the Volkswagen multivan this week. Uh, oh, yeah. I was on the international trip of that a good couple of years ago. It never really came out. It, I don't know what happened. It just fell between the, the cracks somewhere. But now it's out, and you can buy it here in Ireland. Um, and but it's a PHEV, <laughs> a petrol one. And I was driving up. We went to Blackrock Clinic yesterday. I was to go to, I'm going to Mickey Flanagan this this Friday night as well. A comedy thing. And we're driving, and I kept looking down, going, "If this was a two liter diesel, I wouldn't even look at the fuel gauge for the whole week." But because it's a petrol PHEV. I'm going to have to put petrol in that for the end of the week, for sure. Even though I'm plugging it in and charging and all that. And what kind of range is it doing? The battery range is very short. So like 50 to 70 kilometers, I think is what they say. But it really does suck the life out of it. We were driving the kids to school and stuff. And even just that kind of zip around a town and was going down to 1% charge from half full. Um, and then you have the petrol engine on the bottom, which I haven't looked up the petrol engine yet, but I'm assuming it's probably a two liter petrol. That's probably what they are. They usually are that size. Uh, and it's just eating the fuel out of it because the PHEV is just, just, it's a good hybrid, but it's not a fast, it's not a an open on the motorway fast driver like. Mm. And also the thing, the plug-in hybrids, the, the battery depletes pretty quickly on a motorway anyway. Yeah, and it's a seven seat, like a big car with big captain's chairs all facing each other with a table inside. So it's quite a heavy machine as well. Uh, and I think, um, I have to look this up because I was trying to mess with the manual gearbox last night, but it only went to manual five. It's an automatic, but you can you can flap your paddle on it. Uh, and it only went into number five. So I think it might be going to be a five-speed gearbox, <laughs> which doesn't help fuel economy. That doesn't sound right. No, uh, it doesn't. But, uh, the multivan would make a great car for any taxi drivers listening. There's a lot of room. It is, yeah. Am I right? It, it's a super car. Now, I, I can't take away from the rest of it. Whatever about the drivetrain part of it, the rest of the car is amazingly comfortable. Think of a Volkswagen uh, Caravelle or Transporter or California or any of those yokes, but it's got seven seats. So it's got a bench of three, then two seats standing beside each other, a table in the middle, and then two seats up front. It's about the only one on the market that'd be big enough to, to cope with tr- full three child seats and their captain chair so you can face them both directions electric sliding doors it's very clever as family goes it's not cheap but as a family transport goes you're probably not going to find anything like it anywhere else in the market I think as well even the rear seats at the end of the back have eyes fixed in them as well so there's loads of eyes fixed options yeah amazing now obviously the child would be very far away from me in the front being that's fine it's a van that's which is a good thing you can't hear them back there so exactly whatever's <laughs> happening you don't have to worry about it I remember you can there's throw a, a bottle at them <laughs> the, the plastic the Kia Sorento has has a button for the back row because it's so far away that you press it and it's like an intercom on a flight <laughs> so you push this button and, and your voice is fed back down the back it's like stop punching your sister bing stop bong daddy's putting it. headphones on yeah <laughs> I don't want to hear Please put your seatbelts on. We're about to experience some really heavy turbulence. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Another big brand launched a, a new EV this week, though, as well, Bob. I know, that Ford, the Explorer, the Mini Explorer, I think we should term it, because the Explorer in the US is huge, and the Explorer that we see now launch is more like an ID4. Yeah, that's, that's the direct comparison. The ID4 gets blamed and targeted for lots of things, but just size comparison, especially. So they haven't announced it's price, obviously. As well, though. Every charge point is littered with ID4s. <laughs> I got chatting to a guy last week who was towing a trailer with one, and uh, 
I said, what kind of efficiency do you get when you have a trailer in the back? And he said, if the roof is off the trailer, about 25 kilowatt hours per 100 kilometers. And if at the roof on, it's closer to 30. But he, he tows the trailer on his ID4 without any problems. And his his first EV was a, he was a leaf driver. All right. He, so he's well experienced. So he's, he knows yeah. what he's doing. Yeah, I like so those kind one, of guys. One thing I like about the Explorer is that it has a huge 14-inch screen because, I mean, is it an electric car without an electric screen? And um, you can tilt it in many different ways. Without an infotainment system, it doesn't really exist anymore. <laughs> mm. <laughs> but I do like, I like what they're doing interior-wise. They're starting to make the cars a little bit more loungy, I think. You know, a little bit more, instead of just get in and go somewhere, it's just now radio or CD player or something. Now it's become something that's a, sort of an extension to your house. You can set things in the car from... Uh, from apps on your phone, you can set up maps and stuff. You know, it's all becoming a little bit more homogenized. And well, I know they're the top of the range photographs they sent out, but the quilted looking leather seats, the mm. steering wheel looks cool. It's, um, yeah, I'm, I think a lot of the big, big brands are kind of, they're not rushing to this electric world and they're just sort of sitting back and taking all the best bits of the competitors and that Ford interior looks very nice. Yeah, it's a good step up from the Mach-E as well. I as I say, Mustang, but Mustang Mach-E, which has a nice interior, but it does feel a little bit like it was made by by a consumer group who all got together and went, I like this and this and this, and a bit of everything is inside it. It looks a bit mm. more uh, concentrated than that, which is good. Also, uh, I'm sipping on some green tea uh, this morning. Well, it's, it's actually it's, it's lemon tea. But the reason I'm telling you this is I found a box of unopened fancy tea bags from Lidl in a press car. Go away. wonder who so has that now. They were down under the footwell of the passenger seat and in the back, though. And I was like, what's that? And I pulled out a black box of what's Lidl's fancy range, the deluxe range, I think it's called. Yeah. And I opened a chest of tea and there's lemon and there's vanilla and there's chai tea and there's all kinds of... So that, that for me is the, the... I think it's the only thing I've found in a press card. I don't know if you found anything strange over the Not years. Not usually. Usually there's a bit of rubbish tucked away somewhere, you know, that you don't normally clean out. <laughs> a tissue in a glove box or something. That sort of thing. I don't really find all that. I found a lens cap once, but I got that back to the owner. I do know someone who was once a brand ambassador for a, a car company. And they were changing cars. So normally you get the car for six months and then they'll get you into something new. And this person was moving house at the same time also. And they left a bag in the boot of this car that they were the brand ambassador for. A sex bag. (laughs) Well, it wasn't, I don't think it was intentionally a sex bag. Oh my God. But there was a personal item in the bag. So someone in the company then had to uh, ring the brand ambassador and say, uh, just so you know, we've we actually found something belonging to you in the in the boot. <laughs> now, I don't think they went into the... I don't even know if they had a look. They may not have had a look into the bag. But obviously, the brand ambassador knew what was in the bag. <laughs> I would just draw it in the bin. <laughs> <laughs> and they were very embarrassed. This also, this also had batteries, but it was long before electric vehicles. <laughs> I would run away from that, from that call. Can you imagine me the guy making the call? Like you're just going. Oh, I know. You left the bag. You left the bag. I didn't look at it. I promise. Well, if they didn't, didn't if they didn't look into it, then it'd be fine. But if they did, oh my god! Now I, 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 I knew this person at the time, so it's not like I heard this through rumors. So perhaps the person in the car company didn't actually look in the bag. I just know from the person telling the story, saying, "Oh my god, I got a phone call today. I left a bag in the boot of the X car and." 
such and such was in it. I was like, no. <laughs> I did good story actually when you're talking about that sort of thing. One morning in the Dublin airport, as we're walking through the airport security terminal, uh, the person put their bag through the x-ray and you know if you stand in kind of the wrong spot you can sort of see the x-ray screen you know you can see what's yeah. going through the x-ray Shapes. Anyway, quite you quite clearly this bag had a long slim thing looked a bit like a torch maybe or something large anyway batteries in it. <laughs> and the security guy says we, he uh, he says something to the girl and she starts to laugh she's just laughing and she goes, it's a prank. <laughs> it's a prank. Someone's playing a yeah, prank yeah. You can take it out. And he goes, no, I'm not touching it. I'm not touching it. <laughs> and the conversation went on. But it was, I thought it was going to be a private thing. I thought he'd take her to one side and go, you know, this is, this is, you can't have this. This no. is a huge battery thing. In it. But uh, she was going, no, it's a prank. My friends had planned a prank and put it into bike. So he goes, so you didn't pack the bike yourself? <laughs> <laughs> which caused a whole other conversation it was brilliant but i just walked away thinking oh my god how scarily uh you know in modern terms it's quite normal for this stuff to happen but just not in an airport that hour of the morning no i was actually when i was coming home last week in germany i uh, put the bags on the thing did all the usual stuff all the laptops all the usual take out your cosmetics and everything was held up and i was like what the hell's going on next minute two armed german police approached me oh. uh Sir, don't touch your bag, but do you have identification? And I was like, of course. Um, do you take any medication? I was like, no. <laughs> so I don't know what happened. They took my passport off. Uh, this blonde uh, lady police officer was asking me an awful lot of questions. Um, the actual x-ray person was just standing there, not letting me touch anything. And I still don't know what the reason was. And the guys Whoa. with me were like, that was a bit heavy handed, wasn't it? I was like, no idea what that was about. Um, and you then I was starting suspicious. to... I was start, yeah, but I was starting to panic. I was like, has someone slipped something into my bag now that I'm not aware of? But for yeah. for two minutes, it was a little bit like the German police, you don't mess with them. No, they are quite severe and very fast to react on things, yeah. Yeah, it was like, relax, lads, relax. And then I didn't want to say relax. It was like, that might be a bit passive aggressive. I'm always a tiny bit nervous on the international trips because we mix with so many other journalists from so many other countries. You know, you, you're in a sort of a melting pot and you're getting in and out of cars and you're meeting people and shaking hands. And all. I'm always nervous when I do the drug test, you know, the drug test. In case you're with anyone who has taken drugs and you touched them and you touched your bag and then suddenly the drug well, test is the, failed. Then it's like, when oh they God. rub this magic bit of paper over your bag. Yeah, and they put it into the machine. I always look yeah. shiftily at it like, and thinking, oh my God, what's, what has, who has carried my bag? Sometimes they take the bags and bring them to the hotel for you. You know, that thing as well. So I was mm. wondering how they've been handled and what's after happened to them. It never happened, mind you, which is pretty good. There's some very cool uh, new x-ray machines in Dublin Airport. Brilliant there, jokes, yeah. There's more in Terminal 2. They have a few in Terminal 1. You don't have to take anything out of your bag. Not you first just, time I've seen that was in some other airport in Europe. I can't remember where it was. Amsterdam they've had it in Shannon for years. Yeah. You uh, don't uh, take it Just put your bag up, leave it there, and off it goes. Take your jacket off. Uh, and that's it. You just walk through and come out the other side, and it's it whatever way, whatever magic has happened, you don't have to remove anything from your bag. All they gotta do now is take the limits of the size of liquids. Um, which really annoys me. Yeah. I don't mean I want to bring 200 mils of shampoo or something with me, but it's just, it's when you go to shop and you want to buy things for travel, you have to buy specifically little small plastic bottles. And I don't like buying small plastic bottles. I prefer glass refillable things. I'm a little bit of an environmentalist when it comes to the plastic stuff. I prefer well, like bigger full-size jug. What are you going to do with 150 milliliters of Colgate versus 100? <laughs> no, nothing. Know, nothing. Like, 
You're not going to hold up a plane with some fluoride. No. Or even 200 mils. It's just really my no. size. It's just, just, it's a stupid sort of a rule that came in. To, I don't know, even know why you would come in in the first place. It just seems a bit of a ridiculous thing. But I just hope to get rid of that next. But more of those um, fast scanners are required Dublin Airport. <laughs> that yes. don't make people charge for dropping people off. Well, I, I don't want to hate on Dublin Airport at all, but the, the no. ones in Terminal 1 weren't really working properly and they were restarting it and starting it. There was only one working. And in fairness, those those staff are usually really, really friendly. Um, in fact, Dublin Airport has when, very friendly staff. Yeah. When I've gone through Terminal 2 now, I know those machines. As you go through the gate, they're on the left. So if, if I'm traveling by myself, I say to the person who's telling you where to go, I say, can I nip down to those fancy machines? They're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Third on the <laughs> left there. <laughs> Now, I don't know if they'll always do that as they get busier for the summer. Remember that next Monday, won't you? <laughs> I will, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're running through our No, I think, are we flying with Ryanair on Monday? Yeah, it'll be Terminal 1. There's only Terminal one. 1, I think, yeah. I can't, is it, oh, maybe it's Aer Lingus out and Ryanair back or something. Maybe. I can't remember. I can't remember. Mm. I, wasn't, I, I don't look at the tickets until I actually have to go to the airport <laughs> Sunday night. I go, oh yeah, better check in and do stuff like that. I checked I it a week ago. Did you? I don't yeah. Know, I'm useless to these things. That's what I love about Ryanair. You can check in like about a month in advance. Yeah, yeah. Right. Ryanair pack- are brilliant if you actually pay for things. They're useless. If you're traveling alone, buy the cheapest ticket and don't board the plane. Just bring a little carry-on thing. fits <laughs> in the front. You're fine. But if you want to actually have a nice time in Ryanair and you pay for the little upgrade stuff so you can book your own seats and book in there, they're actually really good and efficient. Although last time I was on a Ryanair, which was last week, this girl said, you know when you're waiting to see beside you, oh, come on, it's going to be empty, it's going to be empty, it's going to be empty. I know, yeah. And then it's not empty. And this girl sits down and everything's fine. But then, so she's on, she's on a call for this, for starters when they're sitting there in the tarmac and she's waffling away in German, grand, 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 yeah, grand. So then we take off and her shoes come off. Oh, wow. And she sticks her feet, you know the gap between the, two seats so she's in the middle seat so the gap in front of her with the two armrests she sticks her feet into those gaps ah uh, no and I'm like going jeez I'm trying to watch the new Luther film which is really <laughs> I wouldn't recommend watching that on the flight it's very very edgy and then um, <laughs> then she cracks open a lunchbox jeez. of food that she's made and I, I'm having a little look into the slide and giving her a little side eye trying to see what's in there so she's got like a fried egg or something on this <laughs> Bits of, you know the way Germans eat crazy stuff that we yep. just sausage saw. white dog poo so the, looking sausages so she, she realised obviously the smell was wafting out so she <laughs> she closed the lid real quickly every time she took out a bit of food so like she put out a bit of cheese and then she was like oh no I think I'll have a cracker with this so she opens it again she puts a cracker on the cheese and then puts something green on top of it and then closed the lid real tight again and then every time she'd open it I was like oh gee. <laughs> that and the smell of fees so will you check in, will you? I'll just sit beside you. I'm eight, 8A, I think, is the row. <laughs> Which is sit and spread out and make someone feel very uncomfortable to want to sit in the middle. That's what my advice usually is. I always book the aisle seats. I don't really care. I, I don't need to see out the window. I don't really care. I like looking out the window, yeah. I used yeah. to always book the, the window seat, but then, I don't know, There was there's something about, you have two choices. So if you book the window seat, you control the light. And no one's going to try and climb over you to get out to go to toilet or any of that sort of stuff. So window <laughs> yeah. seat, you can go doors off. You can get into the little groove that surrounds the window and have a little snooze for yourself if you want. But if you book the aisle seat, you're in total control of going to the toilet, getting something from the trolley. You can get up and get stuff out of your bag that's over your head. You can do all kinds of things from the aisle seat. So I always book the aisle seat now. But people always bang into you in the aisle seat. You either get a cabin crew's arse in the yeah. face. 
Um, that is a problem. Which isn't always, it's not always a bad thing that, you know. Um, depends, depends. It's a bit like going to the barber, you know, banging into your elbows and stuff. You know, it's a, there's a moment where you go, mm, I don't know whether this is acceptable or not. Or you're getting whacked on the head by elbows. People are going, yeah. by. Yeah, that does know. happen. But it's, it's only on Ryanair because the seats are so small and the aisle is tiny. Hey, we have to give a mention now to Gowan Group uh, while we're here as well, because Gowan... Uh, for those who don't know, in Ireland, the importer for Gowan would be called Stellantis as the overall group. So the Stellantis group have an importer here in Ireland called Gowan Group. Uh, and Gowan Group now control all of Stellantis Group's cars, making them, I think, the biggest importer of cars in Ireland, uh, brand-wise. I think they now have eight brands in a new so, building out in City West. Who do they bring in then, for, for everyone who understands, just by the badges? It's a very long list. <laughs> to this, but it's Opel... Uh, then there's Citroen, Peugeot, then Alpha. you have uh, Alfa Romeo, Fiat, Fiat Professional, which is the, the commercial vans of that. And I think Jeep. another one. Jeep as well. That's correct. Jeep. I think there's them all. So it's eight brands. Uh, full new, brand new training facility. I got a tour of that. I mean, state-of-the-art stuff. Uh, silence rooms. So if you're in the training facility and you're you're training on engines or whatever it is, you can't hear that. Even if you're standing in an office looking through a window at them, you can't hear that. Wow. Uh, Gowan Group are also like senator windows and they do a kitchen group and they do cookware and things as well. So that same group is is bigger than just cars. And so I suppose that's why they have the biggest that. window. Yeah? I did not know that. They do yeah. windows as well. They're senator windows and there's some kitchen appliance group that they have and kitchen equipment so so uh you know um cupboards and things they do all that as well as far as i know uh but it's gown group is huge yeah it's, it's actually a massive group but now i think they're the biggest car group in ireland as well with a brand new facility in like if i was a, any of those car dealers i would look at that group and go this is very exciting because they have now invested millions i think there's 130 employees out in that new building it is going to be the f- a kind of a force to be reckoned with because you've got all of these very experienced people who've been in the car industry for years now have all kind of consolidated on these fairly solid brands. We'll say Opel and Peugeot Citroen would be the biggest PSA kind of part of it would be the bigger leaders. But to take in Fiat and Alpha and Jeep and all those brands as well, that's pretty good. That's going to put a good solid foot on those brands finally. And the public don't get access to this place, do they? It's just more of a training place. No, it's a dealership training place, so they don't do any sales. So the dealerships will still be dealing with the sales part. But if I was, as as I know, a lot of dealerships are now listening to this podcast because it got lots of messages from dealerships. <laughs> they love your podcast. Uh, but I know if I was, a, 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 as a dealers out there, I'd be much more confident about the future of my dealership knowing that Gowan Group has now pushed that. And this is not an ad for Gowan Group, but it just got a tour of the building and it was, it's just a phenomenal premises. Uh, and the investment level in the car industry for Ireland is is definitely in there in the Gowan Group. Oh, exciting times. And it's it's great to see um, the return in some ways of Alfa Romeo because they were kind of, and Fiat, uh, yeah, and for G- the last few years, they weren't doing much. And now, like there's a launch of the Alfa Romeo um, next week. Um, how do you print it? It's got a fancy, fancy name. Tonal. Is it Tonal? Tonale. 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 Uh, I was on the international of that over in Italy with the Italian group on, uh, we were on a racetrack out there, but uh, it's, it is a return, another return to farm for Alfa Romeo. I think Alfa Romeo are very good at small and kind of hatchback cars. They were good at that for years and they, they've had, you know, 
some beautiful machines over the years and it, it, they're Italian. So they're slow to release things. They're slow. They wait. They get it right and then they release it in the way they go. And they always feel full, full of confidence. It was great to see it coming. That's coming here to Ireland. We were launched here soon. Mm. Uh, and then we're going on the Jeep launch as well. So we're on the, we're going off to, um, where are we going? Malaga with, with uh, Jeep. That's Malaga. Avenger. I meant to be coming back the next day and going to Berlin with Cupra. Then I'm home for two. I'm home for a day, two days, and then we're meant to be going to to Prague with Skoda. Correct. And yeah. We all know that. Um, so there's a particular individual called Stepan, and he's worked in Skoda for the years. And would he be Skoda Europe or is he Skoda Czech Republic? Or like, what? Skoda Europe would be the product spokesperson. Um, you know, they've all got kind of strange names. So essentially. He went, everybody has a number of cars that they're responsible for in a car company. So the product spokesman for something like Superb would be a different person than Stepan. Uh, so Stepan would be over the product. Any any communications that goes out about products from Skoda would come out from Stepan. He's definitely over the Enyaq and the Enyaq Coupe. We yeah. know that. So uh, he's moving to Volkswagen. So it's very uh, coincidental that a trip to Prague will be his last Skoda event. <laughs> and I'm already nervous. <laughs> I'm already nervous. Uh, every trip we've ever had as a Skoda, usually Skoda trips, turn out to be party centrally. And it's usually a party because Skoda is just such an affable company. I don't mean the cars. The cars are phenomenal and great. But the people behind the cars have always been open to us. Like I could send a text message to step on now and get an answer in a few minutes about anything. You know, it's just it's just the way it's always been with Skoda. They've always been much more approachable than the people, say, from Volkswagen Europe or, say, at Europe or any of those. They're there, but they're not quite as approachable. So when we go on a trip, it's like meeting friends of mine that I've known for years and years and years, and you end up chatting away with them again. And I could never, like, you met them yesterday. So I'm looking forward to that trip. It should be a good crack. Plus, we're going to see some cool cars. Now, we're going to end this week's podcast on a story from a trip. I'm going to see if I can play this audio from my phone. So this is, we teased this the last time. This is the time myself and Bob were on a trip. It was the launch of, well, let's not even say what it was a launch of because I don't want to get anyone into trouble. But <laughs> there was an open bar and um, this is all after the driving is done. And I spot a very fancy looking, how would you describe even the shape of the bottle? It was like it had this gold top on it and then it curved into kind of like the shape of a wine decanter or something it was it was very was enticing to view yeah yeah and it was this dark ruby red rum mm. with this gold writing on the on the label so um <laughs> let me just download this video from the cloud i'm not even a rum drinker but even nobby here had me convinced that i should be i'm sure. not a drunk <laughs> not a wrong drink so yeah. you'll hear Bob here. Uh, you'll hear Bob very clearly asking for something. Hang on. <laughs> so I think you just I can replay it if you like, or, or hit pause and rewind ten seconds of the podcast. You'll hear Bob Flavin saying, "Are they doubles? I want doubles." I right? go all in. If I'm going in, and go all in. <laughs> You waste your time going in for like a single, didn't have to go back for a double day for sure. You might just so get the, a double. <laughs> so these lovely, these lovely tumbler glasses arrive under our noses with this freshly poured. With three quarters XO. of a gallon in each one of them. And they're like, oh, that's, yeah, there we go. Now that's, that's, that's the stuff, grand. So we start sipping. And I really do mean you sip at the stuff. It's straight. There's no ice. There's no messing. And then a few minutes later at this open bar, a slate arrives in front of us <laughs> with a bill on it. 
<laughs> Which was kind of, I mean, that in itself was confusing because it was it had been an open bar. Now they didn't specify it was just wine and beer or whatever, and like there was some other spirits that was no problem. But obviously, yeah. well, we didn't know at the time, but but then it made sense. So the slate arrives, and I think I attempted to forge your signature <laughs> with your room number, some scribbly with scribbly thing on. <laughs> with your consent, I might add. I mean, I <laughs> I, I, I hadn't. I hadn't ran away or anything. So, um, <laughs> the price on the slate for two doubles of XO rum was €170. Euro. That's right, yeah. It looked, it looked, it looked. For expensive. two drinks. <laughs> and you were right. For it two drinks. <laughs> uh, looked expensive. The bottle looked expensive. Uh, ah. The drinks were just as expensive, so yeah, one hundred and seventy quid for two for two doubles of this XO rum stuff. So, it wasn't even that nice. <laughs> I was, was, yes. I'm trying to convince myself. It was, was, nice. was one hundred and seventy quid. <laughs> anyway, that yeah, was, that, I know things that happen on so on on trips because trips are are a strange uh, strange beast because you do get access very early access to the car. Uh, and you know, if you want, you can get you can get your your content of very some newspapers take a bit longer for it to come out, but us being video orientated and social media orientated, ours is instant. So you get something even on the day when we're there. And then the whole day is so long. Like, you know, you're up since maybe four o'clock in the morning, heading to the airport, driving cars, going to the six, seven o'clock in the evening, you're going to the hotel, you have a shower before you have dinner. Then it's dinner, and then it's at the bar, and there's no driving the next day. You might be doing nothing next year, just going in a bus to get back. So it all ends up being a sort of a party day, but it's only twenty four hours long. <laughs> yes, it's like it's like a two week holiday wrapped into twenty four hours. Yeah, it is, but, yeah. but the first the first solid twelve hours is work, but then yeah, you're you're kind of done. Um, yeah, once you once you've wrapped and you have all your footage and you have all your stuff done, you got all your questions answered and asked and. Then it's like, just to the bar. I just want something to drink and just relax. Give me two of those XOs, please. <laughs> doubles. 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 <laughs> I'll do more doubles, please. Anyway, uh, this has been a very long uh, third, is it third episode? Third episode of Driving Third episode, yeah. Yeah. So We'd love you to subscribe, though, to both our YouTube channels, which if you want to find out actual car reviews and information, you can go over to Nobby on Cars or Bob Flavin on YouTube and subscribe there but we if you like the podcast if you like the audio version of us just subscribe here and leave a little comment or something for us and if you know someone else who likes cars flick it on to them and ask them to check it out yeah you know we don't just talk about cars but you, you can just bring, bring it along if you have a question we have an email address don't we we do um, driving forces driving forces driving forces podcast at gmail.com uh, yeah. driving forces so. podcast at gmail.com send us your news we'll give you a shout out if it's interesting news we Maybe don't a question about, your, about a hangnail around, but you know, give us some news or or something interesting, or just ask a question and we'll answer it if we can. Any question about anything, yeah. it's always good. Maybe um, you know, you're trying to choose between three cars or something, or three different types, and should I go electric? Oh, yeah. Whatever. Give us a list. We like lists. Oh, we like a list. <laughs> <laughs> a list of cars to choose. No, you have to make a top ten list, men. I make lists. I don't obey any of them. But I make lists in my head of the top five electric cars I like to top this, top that. Give us a list and we'll go through it and tell you you're wrong about everything we've chosen. <laughs> <laughs> we'll catch you on next week's episode. Thank you very much for listening. Thanks, Nell. Bye-bye. <laughs>